This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Nuclear activity in North Korea. According to the IAEA Director General, they've completed one of its major tunnels. Is North Korea on the verge of another nuclear test? So I think a a nuclear test, a seventh nuclear test, is imminent. When do you think this happens? Days, weeks, months, but you just said Uh, it, imminent. What does that mean? I I, I think it could be be days, but if I were a betting person, I'd say one or two weeks. Ambassador Joe Detrani, former U.S. envoy to the six-party talks with North Korea. Uh, I think North Korea is on the cusp of just moving forward with that nuclear test. And what's the significance of this seventh test? Uh, it's, it's major, JJ. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. DC is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. For weeks, I've been hearing North Korea's been preparing for some kind of nuclear test activity. So I went to one of the sources that I trust more than pretty much any other source I have, Ambassador Joe Detrani, who is a former special envoy to North Korea, to the six-party talks, who keeps his finger on the pulse of what's taking place there to talk about what's happening and to figure out what's going to happen. Ambassador, thank you for joining us today. North Korea, according to some, is engaged in some activity right now that makes some people think that they are preparing for a nuclear test. What are you seeing? No, I agree with that assessment. I think North Korea is preparing for a a seventh nuclear test. Uh, They have been uh, working on the Pungeri nuclear test site for for a number of months. According to the IAEA director general, they've completed one of its major tunnels. So I think uh, a nuclear test, a seventh nuclear test is imminent. So that was my question. You don't. When do you think this happens? Days, weeks, months? But you just said uh, it. Imminent. What does that mean? I, I I think it could be it could be days. But my my, if I were a betting person, I'd say one or two weeks. Uh, I think North Korea is on the cusp of just moving forward with that nuclear test. And what's the significance of this seventh test? Uh, it's it's major, JJ. Uh, this is the last test was in 2017. And this was during the period of fire and fury with President, uh, former President Donald Trump. And it was a thermonuclear test, a very significant, successful thermonuclear test. So this is further, you know, enhancing their nuclear capabilities. This permits North Korea to be more comfortable, if, if that's the word, uh, with their nuclear, uh, their nuclear arsenal. And that speaks to also weaponization, miniaturization, and mating it with nuclear missile delivery systems. 
Yeah, and that, again, was my next question as well. I think we've talked about this so many times over the last few years that there is a predictable pattern to what we talk about here each time, but it's no no less serious each time we talk about it. Um, North Korea has a stable of, of delivery systems of rockets that it can use to deliver whatever it wants to deliver in them. Uh, give us a sense of the range of these rockets, these these missiles, these delivery systems they have. Oh, they're, they're, they're very significant uh, arsenal of uh, inter, uh, to include intercontinental ballistic missiles that could reach the whole of the United States. And they uh, they reportedly la- launched one on the twenty fifth of May, after uh, President uh, Joe Biden's meetings with President uh, Yoon Yoon Suk Yeol in South Korea. On the 21st of May, the the intercontinental ballistic missiles, intermediate range ballistic missiles that could reach uh, as far as Guam, our facilities in Guam, and short range ballistic missiles that could certainly touch uh, South Korea and and Japan. Uh, So uh, their arsenal is significant. And and on the 5th of June, uh, you know, they, they, they just launched eight short range ballistic missiles. What a message that was indeed, to South Korea and to Japan. Because if they could mate a nuclear warhead to those short-range ballistic missiles, indeed, that's an existential threat to both South Korea and Japan. I know we talked about this some years ago, um, but I think now probably is a very appropriate time to bring this up again. They've had some some success, um, according to some, in terms of mating. Um, is Is that accurate? My... Personal assessment is yes, they can mate, uh, uh, if you will, uh, a nuclear warhead to uh, missile delivery systems, whether it's short range, intermediate, or long range, intercontinental. So yes, I do believe they are capable of, of, of mating uh, uh, if, uh, a nuclear warhead to uh, these uh, intercon- these intercontinental short range and intermediate range ballistic missiles. Uh, the question, however, is... Uh, They've got to still test to determine once you launch, uh, if you will, let's take uh, a short range ballistic missile or intercontinental ballistic missile. It has to come back into our atmosphere. And, and will it burn up? Will it be successful? And that's the question mark uh, that uh, a number of uh, specialists who look at this issue uh, have. Uh, are, will they be capable of uh, being they can do all of the above? Will uh, a launch of that? nature succeed re-entering our atmosphere? Will it will it burn up or will it be successful? That is a very, very troubling question. You know, um, so would North Korea actually do this? Would they actually launch a nuclear uh, a nuclear tipped missile? You know, my assessment, JJ, is uh, and I've said this before in our conversations, uh, they're not suicidal. Uh, I think North Korea realizing that if they launched a, a, a nuclear weapon uh, at, at one of our allies, South Korea, Japan, the United, the United States, uh, they, they would be wiped out. Uh, they're not suicidal in that regard. So in that, when we talk about that, that's uh, for North Korea, that's a, a nuclear deterrent. Having this capability deters any other country, i.e. the United States, from invading, doing anything to affect regime change, because they have a capability of striking back as a deterrent. Having said that, however, over the last few months, 
North Korea has been very outspoken in saying not only are there nuclear weapons uh, there for, if you will, deterrence purposes, they're, they're also there if there's a perceived threat to the survival of North Korea, they could use those nuclear weapons. And indeed, if there's a perceived threat, they may even preemptively use those nuclear missiles to, uh, to attack an adversary. Well, that, that changes the game a lot. A first strike policy changes the game a lot. So that means that, uh, you know, the U.S., the West, and everybody else that keeps an eye on what North Korea is doing would then have to gauge whether or not North Korea might be ready to pull the trigger on something. And, and I think that leads us to what you talk about all the time, and, and that is the possibility for mistakes. I totally agree with uh, your assessment. A- absolutely. Uh, if, if, and, and this is coming from Kim Jong-un, the recent language from Kim Jong-un. If there's a perceived threat, if Kim Jong-un feels he's being North Korea, he his regime is being threatened, uh, he, he's saying, I'll use my nuclear we- weapons. Maybe he's taking a you know, page out of the playbook that, that Putin has used in Ukraine, where he's put nuclear weapons right on the table, immediately on the table, saying uh, that there's always that potential of using it. So, yes, I think I think that's that's a very, uh, a very important uh, uh, issue. Uh, if uh, if North, if North Korea uh, gets it wrong, if they if if if, if their perception is totally inaccurate, because I just don't see South Korea, the United States, Japan, any of us doing anything untoward towards North Korea to affect, to attack the, the, their government. But it, it's it's his optic. It's not what, what our intentions are. It's how he sees our actions. Does he see our actions as, as if you will, uh, a threat to the survival of his, his country, his regime? One more thing. What's the U.S. going to do about this in the West? What's the West and the U.S. doing? You've you've sat across the table from North Korean envoys, you as the former special envoy, to the six-party talks from the U.S. You've sat across the table from them and negotiated uh, a deal with them, um, but they've they broke that deal, uh, and they haven't done anything significant since then. That significant, at least. So what does the West do? What does the, the U.S. do from your, from your point of view right now? What your advice, what's your advice? Well, I think the, with the President uh, Joe Biden's uh, visit with uh, South Korean President uh, Yoon Suk-yeol uh, on the 21st of May, I think, I think correctly they spoke about enhancing deterrence, uh, enhancing our joint military exercises introducing strategic assets into the region to show to North Korea that we will not tolerate South Korea, we, our allies in, uh, in, in Japan also, will not tolerate their escalation and, and, and intimidation and threats. And we respond. And in fact, we did respond on the, on the 5th of June when North Korea launched a, eight short-range ballistic missiles. We and our South Korean allies launched eight surface-to-surface missiles. A very clear message to Kim Jong-un that with this new government in South Korea, Yoon Suk-yeol, and with the commitment from the United States, extended deterrence, our commitment was reiterated a number of times, and certainly by 
President Joe Biden to uh, to uh, President Yun, uh, that we we are there for the uh, protection of our allies in South Korea and Japan. So I think what we're doing is we're enhancing our deterrence capabilities. Uh, unfortunately, sanctions are not working for one major reason, because we don't have China and Russia supporting UN Security Council resolutions that would sanction North Korea for their violations of UN Security Council resolutions that prohibit the launching of ballistic missiles. So we just saw that recently in the last week where North Korea launched an ICBM and then they did the short range ballistic missiles. We tried to get some sanctions imposed at the UN Security Council and China and Russia vetoed those proposals. You know, sometimes it takes something personal to get people's attentions. It takes a disaster that impacts a country before they take some kind of step to do something. And that may be what the case is with Russia and China. They have always vetoed any efforts to stop North Korea from doing this, and most likely because it's no skin off of their noses. But if there was some skin off their nose one day, perhaps their their view would change. Well, you know, J.J., if I could comment on that, uh, I think for China, and to, to a great extent uh, for Russia, uh, North Korea with nuclear weapons uh, has to be of concern in Beijing and in Moscow. Uh, you know, because if there's instability in North Korea, we're talking about loose nuclear weapons and where will those weapons go? So, so and, and, and inciting the U.S. with our allies in South Korea and Japan with, with uh, uh, joint military exercises, enhancing those exercises, introducing strategic assets to the region, and the possibility of conflict on the Korean Peninsula, this is not what Xi Jinping wants. I think he's, you know, he's got enough issues on his plate, uh, you know, with their own econo- uh, economic situation, but also dealing with uh, with uh, uh, an ally uh, in Russia that's uh, invaded Ukraine. And how do you how do you square that one? Because China has a lot of equities with Ukraine and with the European Union uh, that are being affected by. Uh, Russian uh, uh, aggression. So I think China has to understand, and I think they do understand, North Korea with nuclear weapons is not in their interest. But it's a question of how far will they go to get North Korea to come back to negotiations, to get them to stop this escalation. That is the question. And indeed, that has to be the issue the Biden administration has to be working on, getting China to use more of its leverage with North Korea to get them to stop the escalation. Ambassador Joe Detrani, thank you as always. Thank you, JJ. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, what do ordinary people in Russia think about the attack on Ukraine? They will mainly uh, complain about the price growth and about the uh, danger of unemployment. That's Alexei Levinson, a sociologist and senior researcher at the Levada Center, which is Russia's leading polling organization. He says when it comes to talking about the war... Uh, People do not like to discuss uh, this military operation. 
It is something that is far away. They prefer uh, not to treat as uh, as a war. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, Cobra Kai fans, come hear what Peyton Liss has to say on Kicking It With The Coves this week. Peyton plays one of my favorite characters, Tori Nichols. Our stunt coordinators came up with a sort of training background for each character. Mm, like, that's interesting. Uh, Tori had done a little kickboxing before, so that kind of came in when I first tried to take on Miguel and why I was cocky enough to think that, you know, I could come in here and I could just make an entrance. Listen to Kicking It With The Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you can sweep your leg and get the podcasts.